0: Your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him,
1: getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and
0: information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McClain and Emily Alcaraz. Praise
2: be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. It's so good to be on with you. And I have breaking news. Huge news. If you're just waking up, but you're probably just hearing about this, I'd be curious to know if you heard about this at all yesterday. No, I have no idea who won the Super Bowl. Absolutely not. I didn't even watch, didn't pay attention at all. No, that's not what I'm talking about. The Supreme Court came out at 11 o'clock Friday night to rebuke California's restrictions on going to church, in-person attendance in church in California. That is big news. It's not everything we wanted, but it's still big news and a win for religious liberty. We'll be talking about that at uh, several points during the show today. So uh, look forward to that. Plus, Regis Martin is our guest, Professor Regis Martin from Steubenville. He also writes for Crisis Magazine, and he's had a couple of articles. We talked about one last week when we had Eric Sammons on, the editor of Crisis Magazine, about why we why, why is it no longer a thing? Uh, it, it's a thing, but uh, Archbishop Fulton Sheen, venerable Fulton Sheen, he would call people to call them to conversion. Um, it doesn't happen quite as often, or if it does, we hardly ever hear about it. It does happen sometimes, but why can't we call these Catholic politicians that embrace, uh, you know, the uh, the wrong side of these non-negotiable issues and call them to conversion for love of their soul, if nothing else, let alone the public scandal that's that's caused by it? So we'll be talking to uh, Doctor Regis Martin about that. Plus, he's got an article about 1984. You probably have heard by now at least a billion times the. Uh, the whole 1984 thing, like uh, George Orwell's 1984. Are we living in 1984? Is this that? We'll find out when we have a conversation with Dr. Regis Martin on the program. Of course, the team is here. Good morning to you, Emily Alcarez.
1: Good morning, Joe. How's your weekend?
2: Praise God, it was okay. Uh, <laughs> I watched two movies over the weekend. Um, I well, watched uh, Last of the Mohicans, which is a, a film I've watched several times in my life. It's been a while, though, since I last watched it. Have you ever seen Last of the Mohicans?
1: I think I have. But Daniel it's been Day a Lewis? while. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, fr- sort of uh, pre-revolutionary war uh, frontier uh, French Indian War th- uh, theme going on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty brutal though in many aspects. And then I watched the Alamo, the the sort of the most recent Hollywood version of the Alamo.
1: So this is not the old one.
2: Not the old okay. one. Okay. Not the John I, Wayne. I've one. seen
1: the John Wayne one.
2: Uh, let's see, see. Adrian, good morning to you. Good morning. Have you seen the John Wayne Alamo?
1: I have.
3: Yeah. And uh you know I used to we used to go to the Alamo every year and they would always uh in the that mall near the Alamo they'd always play the huge uh IMAX screens the old Alamo movie. Yeah. Yeah, I've, have you seen the more recent Alamo? I have not. Oh, well, I think you should watch it. It's a good film
2: for sure and they depict the characters uh William Travis and Jim Bowie, uh Sam Houston is being, you know, in more in more in the actual who they were as people. They were not saints. Let's put it that way. Um, so i th- I was very entertained by the film at the very least. You ought to watch it to check it out the, the latest Alamo version all right that 's going to be our program. plus Mark Houck is going to be on the show in the what 's concerning us section from the king 's Men: The Crisis of Fatherhood, and the News is always a recurring theme we 'll cover that plus some of the more breaking stories Dr. Regis Martin in this hour in our conversation in the next hour, we have a new sponsor for our game show. Prizes are always involved and this w- this week it 's choose life it 's c h E-W-S, ChooseLife.com is our sponsor for our game show this week, so we're looking forward to that. So let's pray and uh, bring your intentions and combine them with ours and ask Our Lady to pray and intercede for us. I, of course, am praying for my family, for our intentions, for our needs here at, this, at the studio, all of our equipment, our show, uh, the Station of the Cross apostolate, plus the Guadalupe Radio Network apostolate, and all of you. Let's ask Our Lady to whisper these into the ear Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now the headlines with Emily Alcaraz.
1: Tom Brady won his seventh ring last night as the Buccaneers dominated the Chiefs in the 55th Super Bowl. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the champions after completing a victory that exceeded expectations and made all kinds of history on Sunday night at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, Florida. In dominating the Kansas City Chiefs 31 to nine, the Bucks won its second Super Bowl and became the first team to win a Super Bowl in their home stadium. Quarterback Tom Brady secured his seventh Lombardi Trophy, two more than any player in NFL history and one more than any entire NFL franchise has achieved. The Supreme Court has rebuked California's strict coronavirus rules for churches. California's strict coronavirus rules banning indoor worship were blocked and revised by a U.S. Supreme Court injunction late on Friday night. Archbishop Salvatore Cordelione of San Francisco said quote This is a very significant step forward for basic rights. This decision makes clear we can now return to worshiping safely indoors without risk of harassment from government officials. Eric Razback, vice president and senior counsel at the Beckett Religious Liberty Legal Group, welcomed the decision by saying, "California had no right to declare itself a religion-free zone." When every other state in the country has figured out a way to both allow worship and protect the public health, maybe you are doing it wrong. We're glad this extreme violation of our first freedom has finally come to an end." The American Seminary in Rome has said it will defend itself vigorously against a lawsuit filed by a former student who says he was blocked from continuing his studies there after he had witnessed inappropriate homosexual contact on the part of the vice rector. The North American College in Rome, also known as the NAC, its rector, Father Peter Harmon, vice rector, Father Adam Park, and faculty member, Father John McDonald, were named as defendants in a February 3rd lawsuit filed in Richmond County, New York, by Anthony J. Gorgia. Gorgia, a former seminarian for the Archdiocese of New York, is seeking $125 million in damages in civil court on 12 causes of action, including defamation, wrongful discharge sexual harassment, emotional distress, fraud, breach of fiduciary duty, and interference with prospective economic advantage. His lawsuit also warns of ongoing homosexual conduct by priests and at least one unnamed bishop affiliated with the college. On Saturday, Pope Francis appointed a Spanish priest and a French religious sister as undersecretaries of the Synod of Bishops. It is the first time a woman has held a position of this level within the General Secretariat of the Synod of Bishops. Father Luis Marin de San Martin and Sister Natalie Becart will replace Bishop Fabio Fabien, who was named Secretary of the Congregation for the Causes of the Saints in January. Working with and under Secretary General Cardinal Mario Gretsch, Marine and Sister Beccart will prepare the Vatican's forthcoming synod on synodality, scheduled for October of 2022. In this position, Sister Natalie Beckart will vote in future synods alongside other voting members who are bishops, priests, and some religious men. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Monday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. St.
2: Josephine Bakita, pray for us, born in 1868 in Oglasa, Dafur in Sudan. She was born to a wealthy Sudanese family, but she was kidnapped when she was young, age nine, by slave traders. She was marched uh, all the way to the slave markets. She was beaten and abused, sold and resold many, many times in the markets of el Obeid in Khartoum finally she ended up in the hands of Callisto legnani an italian consul who planned to free her and to bring her back to italy and she did accompany him there and she became a sort of a nanny for the family of augusto Micieli, where she lived and th- that family had to make their way back to uh to north africa on business and she ended up staying with the Canosian daughters of charity there in venice when the family finally sent for her, she had to go to court to fight for her freedom, and she did win her freedom. So she entered the Institute of the Kenosian Daughters of Charity in Venice in 1893, taking her vows on December the 8th, 1896 in Verona, and serving as the Canosian sister for the next 50, uh, 50 years. Her gentle presence, her warm, amiable voice, her willingness to help with any menial task, whatever it might be, And comforting those who came to the door was the sort of the legacy of her life. A book came out in 1930 about her biography, and she ended up becoming a famous speaker. She would go on the speaking circuit and raise many uh, funds for the mission work. She died on the 8th of February, 1947. She would be canonized in uh, October of 2000 by Pope Saint John Paul II in Saint Peter's Basilica there in Rome. Her feast has been designated the International Day of Prayer to Stop Human Trafficking. Saint Josephine Bakhita, pray for us. The Gospel comes to us from Mark chapter 6, verses 53 through 56. After making the crossing to the other side of the sea. Jesus and his disciples came to land at Gennesaret and tied up there. As they were leaving the boat, people immediately recognized him. They scurried about the surrounding country and began to bring in the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. Whatever villages or towns or countryside he entered, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might touch only the tassel on his cloak. And as many as touched it, were healed. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, a powerful little piece of uh, gospel here from Mark. We're up from the last two chapters, almost everything that has occurred since uh, I think chapter four has happened around the Galilee, around this sea. And uh, so we're he's sort of bouncing back and forth. And what I find fascinating right off the top here. Is that when he lands, people automatically recognize what is going on and they start to flock and they bring out their sick, bring him on mats. Wherever he's walking, they want to bring him there. You know, this is we're talking pre-email days. We're talking pre-social media days. We're talking, I mean, they don't even have phones. They can't, I mean, sending, how how hard was it to send letters? I don't even know. I know the Romans, uh, thanks to the Greeks who laid the groundwork before them, had roads. They had a postal system, and they were able to send uh, correspondence back and forth. But I still find it very fascinating that the word could spread the way it does, and that people would even recognize him who might not have ever even seen him. I just find that so very fascinating. But look at the faith of this crowd to want and desire to be healed by him, to bring out all of their sick. And they come in droves, and the disciples are truly amazed. Now, of course, these tassels, right? You might remember the lady who had uh, the hemorrhage for 12 years, who only wanted to touch the hem of her, of his garment or touch the tassel. Do you know what the tassels are from? If you go back to Numbers chapter 15, verses 38 through 40, there Moses, uh, speaking uh, from the Lord, the Lord told him to say this, told the people to put tassels on their cloaks, to remind them of the Ten Commandments, to remind them, to have this visible sign, to see it and go, I'm supposed to adhere to the Ten Commandments. I'm supposed to live my life according to the Ten Commandments. I'm supposed to remain in a good relationship with the Father, and how can I do that? The Ten Commandments. Right? So this tassel is a reminder of the Ten Commandments. And they, they they have so much faith that they believe they can just touch that tassel and they will receive healing. And again, I've said this a bunch of times because I feel like it's important. If you ever have a friend who says Christianity has nothing to do with religion, it is only to do with relationship. Then why was Jesus wearing tassels? If it had nothing to do with both religion and relationship. It's not either or, it's both and. And our Lord gives us a great example here. The Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 1504, gives us uh, a little clue as to this is a foreshadowing of something greater still yet to come. We find that in the sacraments and the sacramentals of the life of the Church. God's actual grace communicated to us, even through material things. Uh, Adrian, Emily?
3: Yeah, so uh, one thing that I wanted to bring up here is the reference here uh, reminds me of the relics. And so we see the uh, the touching of the cloth of Christ. And this is a prefigurement of the idea of devotion to the relics. Because whenever we have these relics, it is a reminder of the saints before us, but also the holiness in which the saints had and the miracles in which the saints do. Uh, through those material things that we call sacramentals, things that are conferring actual grace that are not the sacraments, the seven sacraments, but are uh, sacramentals, are, are giving grace to us via the the physical means that God has set up all right praise be to Jesus Christ maybe more of that in the after show we'll see or even
2: the next hour will you join us for that but coming up after this break my buddy Mark Howell from the Kingsman is going to be on the crisis of fatherhood in the headline news we're seeing more and more stories that really indicate that something's got to change and it starts with you and me all that coming up and Regis Martin Catholic Drive Time be right back
4: Catholic conception is a Catholic dogma that many Protestants have a hard time accepting. They claim it shouldn't be believed because it's not found in the Bible. But I beg to differ. Recall how after the fall in Genesis 3.15, God promised to set enmity between the woman and Satan, between the woman's seed, the Messiah, and Satan's seed. This separation from Satan means the woman's not tainted by sin in any way. Moreover, woman seems to be a title for Eve in her pre-fall state, as is the case in Genesis 2.23. She isn't called Eve until after the fall in Genesis 3.20. So who's this new woman? It's the mother of the Messiah, Mary. So just like the first woman was created without original sin, so to the new woman, Mary, was created without original sin. That's to say, Immaculately Conceived. I'm Carlo Brusard with the ready reason for Catholic
3: Answers, Catholic.com. The universe is filled with order from top to bottom. It's a beautiful order, and not only is it beautiful, it's order that we can actually comprehend. And it's almost as if we have been made to be able to comprehend that order in the universe, to be able to contemplate it so that we can see maybe that purpose behind it.
5: Please visit Father Spitzer's website, majiscenter.com, to watch this beautiful and important video about purpose and God's creation. That's Center.com.
2: Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Coming up in, uh, I don't know, 16, 17, 18 minutes. I should really find uh, the exact time, but I. I, I Anyway, some somewhere in the next twenty minutes, Dr. Regis Martin, professor at Steubenville is gonna be on. Are we living in the nineteen eighty-four George Orwellian world today? And why can't we just simply call these Catholic politicians? And out of love for their souls, uh, call them to conversion. Archbishop Fulton Sheen has something to teach us about that. And Dr. Regis Martin will share. This is based on his articles over on Crisis Magazine. That's coming up. Uh, real quick, before we jump on with Mark Houck, I want to mention a couple of stories that we might discuss in the after show later in the program. The National Guard is costing us, the, the troops there in D.C., $438 million so far. That's fun. Uh, but I really want to know have you watched the Mike Lendell? A voter fraud proof video. Uh, I don't want to know whether or not you think there was voter fraud. That's not what I'm asking. I would love to know whether or not you were convinced by Mike Lindell's video. I have an opinion on that. And we might talk about that in the after show. But uh, all that and much, much more. But right now, joining us via Zoom chat all the way from Philly, my buddy Mark Howell from the Kingsmen. Good morning to you, Mark. I'm not getting any audio out of Mark, Uh, so we'll let Adrian work on the uh, audio situation, uh, and uh, as soon as you can jump in there with the audio, Mark, you let me know. But uh, let me just read uh, real quick the Supreme Court article. While we're waiting on Mark's audio to get uh, to get fixed, Supreme Court rebukes California's strict coronavirus rules for churches. This is good news, but it's not 100 percent of everything that we really wanted or needed here. California strict. This is an article by CNA. We'll post links to it over at Catholic Drive Time on Facebook, on the Station of the Cross, and on GRN Online, by the way. It says, California's strict coronavirus rules banning indoor worship were blocked and revised by a U.S. Supreme Court injunction late Friday night, drawing praise from figures like Archbishop Salvatore Corleone. He emphasized the importance of in-person regulations, gatherings and stressed that the Catholic Church is following reasonable measures to limit the epidemic. It says, this is a very significant step forward for basic rights. The decision makes clear we can now return to worshiping safely indoors without risk of harassment from government officials. Archbishop Salvatore Corleone of San Francisco said on February the 6th. Now, I find this fascinating. One, because they waited till 11 o'clock Friday night. And I, I this morning, now, Emily... You're the one that pointed out the CNA article to me this morning. Right. Mm-hmm. But we didn't see that. I, didn't, I looked at some of the other major outlets. I didn't see anything about it.
1: Yeah, it was really strange. Only the Catholic outlets were reporting on it.
2: That is absolutely bizarre. Uh, it's kind of a big deal. Now, here's uh, the thing is, it doesn't completely give us everything we want. Um, they wanted a complete ban. No, you, you could do a lot of other things, but you couldn't go to church was the deal. The Supreme Court's unsigned order said that the total ban on indoor worship is unconstitutional. It said, the article says, at most, the state may limit indoor capacity to 25% of normal. It left the ban on singing, though. That, that's rather <laughs> crazy to me. You, you're not allowed to sing. But here's what Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch said about this. Uh, and, and Mark, like I said, whenever you got audio, you let me know. California he says, uh, Neil Gorsuch says, California no longer asks its movie studios, malls, and manicurists to wait, Gorsuch said. As this crisis enters its second year and hovers over a second Lent, a second Passover, and a second Ramadan, it is too late for the Senate to defend extreme measures with claims of temporary exigency exigency, I don't even know how to say that word, if it, if it ever could. Drafting narrowly tailored regulations can be difficult, but if Hollywood may host a studio, audience, or film a singing competition while not a single soul may enter California's churches, synagogues, or mosques, something has gone seriously awry. Neil Gorges from the Supreme Court. Mark, are you there now?
6: Brother, I'm here. Sorry about the delay
2: there. Now, praise God, I'm glad you're here. Um now I did were you aware of uh, this Supreme Court ruling coming out late Friday night, Mark how Kings uh
6: you know what? I, I was running around scrambling so uh trying to get my volume working so. <laughs> well, uh, apologies, uh no, I'm not well, th-
2: that's part of why I asked because this came out at eleven o'clock at night on Friday. And almost no one heard that the Supreme Court has, uh, has uh, rebuked California and their draconian lockdown of, of, of churches. Now, you could go to a Home Depot in California, and you could buy parts for your toilet bowl, but you can't go to church there until now. Um, I think we have a, a, sort of the ongoing – we should do a, a, like a never-ending series, The Crisis of Fatherhood in the News. Um, Mark, we're seeing stories all over the place. That sort of indicate that there truly is a crisis of fatherhood, a crisis of of, uh, of uh, authentic and sincere masculinity in uh, in the church and in the culture today. Um, we need m- we need men to stand up to these things, and this is, I think, one of the examples. Mark out what say you?
6: Well, I mean, I've been saying that for years, as as you well know, and and unfortunately, uh, the crisis in in fatherhood begins not only uh, in the home, but uh, for, for the church, it begins in the seminary. And so the formation of, of men uh, as men, obviously we, we, we have to take care of that in the home, but it has to be reinforced, instilled, encouraged, and formed uh, deeply in these spiritual fathers, these spiritual leaders. Otherwise, there will be no courage. There will be no um, ability to defend the weak to defend uh, those uh, that are being hurt, potentially either in the seminary or uh, on a global national level, uh, we see a lack of fatherhood when it comes to these issues uh, related to the unborn. Uh, but when it comes to churches it's, and not opening and um, the lockdown and so forth, there's a, a, just a lack of courage there. And so, again, this is all part of our manhood. Uh, and this is all part of being that leader, protector, provider that, you know, we, we speak so much about.
2: You know, this article about the Supreme Court mentions Archbishop Corleone. I'll never forget. Where was I going? I was on the plane headed. To, I think maybe I was going to D.C. or Alabama, someplace like that. And this was a couple of months back. And I was listening to an interview with Archbishop Corleone talk about how he was on with Raymond Rorio, uh world over. And he was talking about all the things he was trying to do as the father to his flock there in California to try to provide the Holy Mass and the sacraments to them because the state and the city of San Francisco were trying to shut him down every step of the way. They would come up with these rules. He would try to follow these rules and then they would just make it harder. So one of the things he did was in the square in front of his cathedral, he set up several altars and had several priests saying Mass at the same time and so that, that way, the restrictions could have, like, so if you could only had 10 people, he would have 10 people at every altar, because <laughs> they were their own events, sort of, you know, technically speaking. I mean, he was willing to go and do whatever he could, and he was still trying to work within the rules, but at the same time, he was trying to do what he could to provide the the his flock as a father to his people, um, but... How many, how many bishops in California are there? How many priests in California are there? And yet we see, uh, unless you're the Pentecostals who actually brought the suit, like, why isn't the Catholic Church, in? like, there was an SSPX priest involved in this suit. Why wasn't, there a, uh, why wasn't the Catholic bishops in California suing the federal government, or, and, or rather the California government, uh, to, to get rid of it? Like, the, like, there's a crisis of fatherhood there, don't you think? I mean, I applaud Archbishop Corleone for his efforts. Uh, what say you, Mark Howe?
6: Yes, I, I agree totally, Joe. I mean, it is, uh, you know, I've, I've never been in the, in the shoes of a bishop. I, I can't profess to know the pastoral care of a, of a bishop uh, and the needs and the, and the things that they are tasked with doing. However, as a father myself, you, Joe, as a father, uh, these are, this is uh, in our nature uh, to, to do uh, what is good for those in our care and custody, as you always will say, and so, uh, as a father, that instinctually, this should be uh, part of, you know, what they're called to do, and and they should be um, not able to uh, be thwarted so easily. A father being snuffed out uh, in his home, trying to protect his home, uh, trying to protect his children. Um, it shouldn't be so easy for for others to take them out that way. I, I admire Archbishop Cordileone. Uh, but there are many that aren't doing what and, do, and did not do what he has done. We
2: posted a link to this uh, CNA article over at, uh, on the Facebook side for Catholic Drive Time, for Station of the Cross, and also for GRN Online. You can find links to all of our platforms that we're posting to over at uh, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Um, Real quick, we have about another three and a half minutes or so, four minutes, with Mark Hauk, the president and founder of the Kingsmen uh, Apostolate. Fantastic. You should check him out, Um, thekingsmen.org. Recently, there was an image floated around the Internet of Our Lady of Chestahoa, but her halo had a rainbow flag. This, too, is an assault against uh, what we hold near and dear to us as as Catholic faithful. Um, What should we be doing about this, Mark Hauk?
6: Sure. Well, I saw that image that, uh, uh, regrettably, Father James Martin uh, put out. And uh, it was a desecration of Our Lady. Um, the people that put it out called it blasphemy. I don't know if that's the accurate term for this, but it's, it's an outright desecration of, um, of Our Lady and her role. And, and basically, you know, obviously we need to raise awareness. But this man uh, who professes, he's from my area, actually, he's from Philadelphia area. Uh, professes to be a Catholic Jesuit priest, uh, needs to be censored. This is what it's being called for. His, his superiors, we should be reaching out to the Jesuit order uh, and letting them know uh, that we are offended, one, uh, but that, that this is what he's doing. Uh, they, I'm sure they're aware of it, unfortunately. He is uh, very much supported uh, by Pope Francis. And so um, he feel. I guess he feels like he has uh, no autonomy. Or, excuse me, he has autonomy. I should say he has no uh, oversight. So um, I think we need to draw the attention to that. His bishop, he obviously has a religious order, takes a a vow of obedience to the the ordinary where he finds himself. So uh, he should be reached as well. I don't even know where Father James Martin, frankly, at this point, is uh, declaring his uh, allegiance to as far as diocese is concerned. I know he's from Philadelphia, but uh, he hasn't been here in many years. So um, I think that's where we have to start. And uh, and begin to, to to raise awareness and an outcry that says we as as the lay faithful will not tolerate this abuse of our of our holy mother.
2: I think a lot of people who hear us uh, being critical of these things um, mistakenly think that we just you know we want to be critical rather. I think there is a missing point here that has to be emphasized for charity, for love of Father Martin, for love of those that might be suffering through same-sex attraction. Uh, there is a need to, to 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 have this call to action, don't you think, Markow Kingsman?
6: Yeah, one hundred percent, Joe. I mean, the Courage Apostolate has been doing it for for years, uh, and and have been um, you know educating the church. It's it's the answer for those with same-sex attraction, those who are struggling. Um, the church has all the answers for our struggles. And whether Father James Martin uh, agrees with that or not, or feels like the church needs to build a bridge, which is what brought his notoriety, um, that's fine. Uh, we, we can always extend our hand to our brothers that are struggling, as Christ did. However, we never, we never condone or tolerate sin. And we never condone or tolerate uh, something that is bad for the human person, for, for the soul, and so, uh, courage has been leading the the the, um, the charge with all that.
2: All right, uh, Mark Kauk, president and founder of the Kingsmen Apostle. Check him out. We'll post a link, but thekingsmen.org. Mark, God bless you. God love you. Thanks for being on our program
7: again. Thank
6: you. Al. God bless you.
2: Don't go anywhere. Regis Martin's coming up, plus the breaking stories, all that coming up after this break. We'll be right back.
7: This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, the Catholic view of marriage may be an ideal, but it cannot be a reality? Well, G.K. Chesterton says, it is an ideal in a diseased society, it is a reality in a healthy society. For where it is real, it makes society healthy. We know we cannot make a perfectly healthy society because while we believe in marriage and the church, we also believe in something called the fall of man, which also has an effect on society. But the point is that we believe not just in an ideal, but in something practical. Practical in the sense that we want to make something. We want to create Christian families, as opposed to those who are always ready to destroy the family, who give up on the ideal and give in to whatever is easiest at the moment. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. Hi, this is Dave Palmer
3: inviting you to join me and Cecil Anderson each Friday at 4 p.m. Central, 5 o'clock Eastern Time for a new program here on the Guadalupe Radio Network called Back to the Father, which is based on the teachings of the angelic doctor St. Thomas Aquinas in his Summa Theologia. Each week we talk about how a life focused on our final end is a life that is more joyful and more hopeful as we journey back to the Father. Please join us this Friday at 4 p.m.
7: Central here on the Guadalupe Radio Network.
1: Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and today is Monday, February 8th. I would like to encourage you all to go to grnonline.com and sign up for our email list where you can receive a free talk from Father Bill Casey as well as um, stay up to date with all of our uh, things that we're releasing. For example, we're going to do a Lenten series coming up, so you're going to want to be on for that on the email list. These are your Monday morning headlines for today. The Born Alive Amendment has once again been rejected by the Senate. As part of consideration of a budget resolution on Thursday, Senator Ben, ben Sass tried to insert an amendment based on his Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act. The legislation requires that babies born alive during botched abortions receive the same standard of care that other newborns of the same gestational age would. Sass's amendment failed to receive the necessary 60 votes to be included in the budget resolution receiving only 52 votes in favor and 48 votes against. In a tweet responding, the group Democrats for Life responded by saying they were appalled that this didn't pass. There's nothing democratic about denying medical care to newborn survivors of abortion. A recent investigative story from the Associated Press inaccurately portrays the Roman Catholic Church as a giant corporate monolith. That raked in federal aid while sitting on billions of dollars that they could have used to pay employees. In reality, the American church is made up of tens of thousands of separate nonprofits, most of which do not have legal access to liquid cash necessary to pay their employees when the pandemic took hold last year. Father Pius Pietric, a Dominican priest and canon and civil lawyer, explained that in conflating the finances of dioceses with those of individual parishes and other Catholic entities, The article gives the impression that this is all one budget with fungible dollars, a gross misrepresentation that belies a fundamental ignorance of church finances in the U.S. On Sunday, Pope Francis prayed for justice and national stability in Burma as tens of thousands protest the February 1st military coup. Tens of thousands of people in Burma have taken to the streets this week to protest for the release of Aung San Suu Kyi the country's elected civilian leader. She was detained along with Burma's president, Win Mayint and other members of the National League for Democracy party when the military seized power on February 1st, alleging fraud during last November's elections, which the NLD won by a landslide. The Holy Father said, "'I pray that those who have responsibility in the country will place themselves with sincere willingness at the service of the common good promoting social justice and national stability for a harmonious coexistence. And Patrick E. Kelly will be the next Supreme Knight of the Knights of Columbus, the largest Catholic men's fraternity in the world. He succeeds outgoing Supreme Knight Carl A. Anderson, who stressed Kelly's diplomatic and military background and his long service with the Knights, including leading their response to the coronavirus epidemic. Kelly joined the Knights of Columbus in 1983 as a university student in in Wisconsin. He holds a law degree from Marquette and a master's in theological studies from the Catholic University of America. He spent over 20 years in the U.S. Navy, retiring as a captain from the Judge Advocate General Corps Reserve. He specialized in international and operational law and was commanding officer of the International Law Unit at the Naval War College. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Monday morning headlines through a Catholic lens.
2: Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Thank you, Emily, for keeping us up to date on the headline news. Real quick, before we jump into our call, as Emily said, uh, we're giving out a free talk from Father Bill Casey of the Fathers of Mercy called The State of the Union, the Church in Our Society, where we're headed and what you should be thinking and doing. Uh, You can get that very powerful 30-minute talk for free on our website. just uh, All you have to do is agree to let me harass you at least once a week in your email inbox. It's a, it's a win-win for everybody, but we're going to be doing a special series during the Holy Season of Lent. We want to include you in that. We'll tell you all about it in email. Uh, grnonline.com forward slash cdt is the way to go. But joining us by phone right now is a professor of theology at the University of Steubenville, Dr. Regis Martin. He's also a writer over at Crisis Magazine. He's got a couple of articles over there that we wanted to talk to him about. Uh, Good morning, Dr. Martin. Good
8: morning. Nice to be with you.
2: Yeah. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Thanks for your time today. Um, You know, last week we talked to Eric Sammons, the uh, editor of Crisis, and we mentioned one of your articles, and that was, Uh When Salvation is a Phone Call Away. Um, And I wanted to tie you in on that and have a bigger conversation in in conjunction with that article, as well as your George Orwell call your office article. Uh, You know, we live in very interesting times, and I think we can all agree to that. Are we in the 1984 George Orwellian time is the big question. Um, but going back to the article of uh, when salvation is a phone call away, maybe we start there. Why don't sure. we see more yeah. bishops simply calling up Catholic politicians for love and zeal for their particular soul, let alone the scandal caused by their policies uh, in order to draw them to conversion? What Fulton Sheen could teach us today. Uh, Dr. Yeah. Martin, what say you?
8: Uh, well, I think the obvious answer is a, a failure of nerve, uh, sheer cowardice uh, the other uh, uh, answer might be that they simply don't have any faith. They have no sense of, of what their position requires them to do. But I, I would prefer to think that they're just being cowards. Mm. But it's the obvious uh, thing that one ought to do in the face of, uh, of this kind of intransigent uh, rejection of, uh, of protecting unborn life. I mean, that is, that is I I think, the paramount issue that faces us. And it's not that Joe Biden doesn't see the humanity of this unborn child. He's simply uh, unwilling to shore up any constitutional defense. So the bishops, I I think, need to step in and say, look, you're a Catholic. Uh, And the litmus test is pretty clear, and you have failed spectacularly especially if he happens to live in your neighborhood. Uh, He's right down the street from uh, the Cardinal Archbishop of D.C., a phone call away, and I I think the outcome of that call might well be to save his soul and to help save babies. Amen. Or marriage,
2: or many of the other issues. Could you imagine, maybe we should just uh, imagine for a moment, that such a phone call happened, and— uh, and conversion takes place, a reversion of heart and obviously of policies. Uh, imagine if uh, President Joe Biden should reverse all of his thinking and policies on the non-negotiable issues. Imagine what kind of world that might be and the opportunities that might become more uh, open to Catholics, especially when it comes to voting for politicians. Um, how yeah, might you
8: see be... a world like that, Dr. Regis Martin? Yeah, uh, I mean, I can fantasize about it. It would certainly testify to a pretty uh, vivid a piece of evidence for the grace of God, the centrality of God's grace, because only a movement of grace, I think, could account for a change of heart uh, at that fundamental level. It's not likely to happen, uh, I don't think, given uh, uh, the forces uh, that we face. I mean, Biden's uh, opposition to uh, defending unborn babies is not only long standing, I mean, it's like 50 years. In the making, but it's obdurate. I mean, which is a, a technical term Theologi- theologians assign uh, to someone's resistance that that even the tenderest uh, of mercies directed towards uh, the innocent uh, is is missing, absent from whatever judgment uh, uh, he makes, and and that's a tough nut to crack.
2: We're talking with Dr. Regis Martin, a professor of theology over at the University of Steubenville, about a couple of his articles over at Crisis Magazine. We're linking to these articles on the Facebook side. You can find them there, facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. We're going to post them over on the Station of the Cross and on GRN Online as well. Uh, but uh, what was it, Dr. Martin, about Fulton Sheen uh, that he was so you know had so much confidence that he could call a stranger up and it would result in their conversion to the end. either at the end of the phone call or in the progression of of, of friendship and discipleship over time. but either way, he it ne- seemed to not be afraid of such phone calls. What was that uh, that we have we
8: need more of now? well, I, I think he had the evangelical uh, imperative that uh, having annealed his whole life to Christ, uh, that directed every movement of of his soul he felt a great urgency to reach out and and to win uh, every man's soul for god Uh, he he famously said that if christ thirsted for souls uh, must not a christian also thirst if if christ came to cast fire on the earth must not a christian be somehow enkindled and and i remark on that 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 really is a no-brainer that should be the job description of of every christian but especially uh, our leaders the lord's spiritual pastors and bishops ought to be fired by that by that particular uh, imperative you know this desire to win a world uh, for for god uh, and sheen had that it was a consuming passion he really loved haywood brun loved him enough Uh, to put his own reputation on the line and and try and rescue him from uh, this seeming uh, uh, irreversible fall into hell. And it worked. Uh, It was sort of like magic. Within moments, uh, this uh, cynical uh, journalist uh, unburdened his whole life and said, look, the one thing I'm most afraid of is that I might die in my sins. And he didn't have much time to go. He was under sentence of death. I think within six months he was dead, and Sheen mobilized quickly and got him uh, received into the church, and he preached uh, his requiem uh, when he died. But along the way, uh, he converted him. He moved him in the direction of of grace and God, and it made an eternity of difference uh, in his life. I don't see that kind of passion uh, directing uh, the efforts of, of today's Hierarchy. Mm-hmm. And All right. that is a great pity.
2: Hold that thought. We're talking with Dr. Regis Martin, professor of theology, about uh, converting Catholic politicians. But also, when we get back from this short break, we'll ask about, are we living in the 1984 Orwellian era? All that and more coming up on Catholic Drive Time. Don't go anywhere. Be right back.
5: This is a Messy Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hernan. In our ministry, we've heard from many families struggling from all this time cooped up together. So we asked ourselves, how can we take this difficulty and make it into a blessing? The reality is, this is a unique opportunity for families to unite in hope instead of fear. So we created the Play
2: and Pray Challenge.
7: Between June 12th and June 21st, we are challenging parents to
2: complete three objectives. Have a family day. Have a date night and enthrone
3: or proclaim Jesus Christ as the king of their home. Why should you do this challenge? First, you'll be making memories with your kids to last a lifetime. Second, you will strengthen your marriage.
6: And third, Jesus promised great blessings to those families who honor him in this way. Your challenge is a win-win-win.
5: And we've created everything you need to make this challenge a success for you. To get a download from us on Ideas and Prayers for the Enthronement, visit us at MessyFamilyMinute.org we all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction but with the help of god and a church family your children can grow in the security of faith hope and love weekly mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life so if your family hasn't been to mass in a while we'd like to invite you home discover more at catholicscomehome.org
2: Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. So good to be on with you. My name is Joe McLean, your host, talking with Dr. Regis Martin, professor of theology at Steubenville, about a couple of his articles over in Crisis Magazine, which we've linked to at facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time and elsewhere. Uh, Welcome back to the program, Dr. Martin. I know Emily uh, there was this other article we didn't talk about this with Eric Sammons but uh, we it's about the George Orwell 1984 which has made its way around the internet for now a few months I I would say
1: right and this article it's it brought up this uh, situation from the 60s Dr. Martin where you wrote about the Yippies which I had never heard of and in a sense we're sort of seeing the the descendants of the Yippies can you tell us about who they were and how we see their uh, effect today
8: Yeah, there were a a couple of uh, buffoons back in the 1960s, uh, Abby Hoffman and uh, Jerry Rubin, uh, and they began this movement movement uh, called uh, the Yippies, Uh, and the aim was of course to destroy uh, bourgeois America, to undermine all the institutions of uh, American life. They despised uh, uh, all Republicans, most Democrats, and uh, very nearly every American, Uh, and yet they were able to pull this off uh, to an alarming extent because much of the media were complicit. Great big uh, publishing houses like Simon and Schuster were delighted uh, to peddle their books, Uh, and yet uh, the books, by their very titles, uh, invite uh, the very destruction which you would think uh, great big publishers uh, would not want to uh, uh, promote, like steal this book or or do it. I mean, over the past 50 years, enough enough people have been doing it uh, to pretty thoroughly subvert uh, a way of life that uh, our ancestors fought and died to defend, and it's ushering us into a kind of Orwellian world, which is certainly unrecognizable and not the least bit welcome.
1: Right, and we, in your article you actually mention um, the censorship of Josh Hawley's book, and we actually interviewed yes. the publisher of Josh Hawley's book a couple a couple weeks ago, and he brought up the fact that we've reached this point now where ideas are being uh, conflated with violence, and so opinions are being shut down before they even reach the public, before they even have an impact. Have you seen this sense, how do you see this sense uh, of censorship coming up today? Well,
8: it's, it's chilling. Uh, it's really quite scary. Uh, the, the attempt to somehow uh, impose an absolute control upon not only what you do, not only what you say, but even what you think, thought control. I mean that is Orwellian uh, in its reach, uh, and it is. It's very disturbing. It's very destructive, and it's got to be resisted. And uh, it's ironic that uh, that Hawley should write a book with the title "The Tyranny of Big Tech," <laughs> only to have Simon and Schuster exercise prior uh, censorship to prevent people from reading it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that I think is the essence of a totalitarian society. I- And uh, we're moving dangerously in that direction.
3: Uh, Dr. Regis, I was curious about why 1984 specifically? Uh, We hear a lot about whenever people make analogies to our times, to 1984 and the like. uh, What makes a distinction between talking about 1984 versus Brave New World versus Animal Farm? Uh, Why 1984?
8: Uh, Well, it's a dystopian uh, uh, novel, which which means it gives us... uh, a world that is so hideous uh, in its perfection that people are gasping for for breath it it's it, it somehow uh, soaks up all the oxygen of human freedom, and it's done in this uh, deviously ironic way. They, they construct this thing called the Ministry of Truth and the Ministry of Love, which are sheer perversions of truth or love. It, it, it's a world where people are suffocating uh, because they're unable to speak their minds. In fact, they don't even know what their minds are because they've been totally co-opted by Big Brother a completely collectivized world, Uh, and in a world like that, it is impossible to be human. I mean, to be human is to speak and to think, uh, and those exercises have been forbidden. You must conform to this herd mentality, uh, and those who... And, and those who reject or or try and deviate from that norm, they shall be punished. They're sent to the ministry of love, where they are tortured uh, uh, endlessly. And and soon, what what makes it really diabolical is that the victims of this tyranny come to be the most the most enthusiastic proponents of it. They fall in Mm. with this very uh, uh, regime. It's sort of like the Stockholm syndrome. Mm. You know, I've been captured by these uh, uh, kidnappers. I'm their hostage. And by the end of the day, I'm on their side.
3: It's very interesting that you say that because I just remember uh, reading about how the Biden administration is talking about creating a, quote, reality czar. And uh, that sounds very Ominous and very similar to a ministry of truth. Uh, yeah. what do you it, think it's about?
8: positively Orwellian. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, a, a minister of, of truth. Whose truth? I mean, th- this is worse than Pilate. I mean, Pilate wasn't sure what truth was, but these guys are entirely certain what truth is, and it's indistinguishable from tyranny. <laughs> you know, freedom is tyranny. I mean, everything gets turned on its head. That is pure Orwellianism. We're talking with uh, Dr. Regis Martin, professor
2: of theology, about his Crisis Magazine articles. And this one in particular is called George Orwell, Call Your Office. We've linked to it at Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. You can find it on Crisis if you just search directly for that. But, uh, you know, over the weekend, uh, Dr. Martin, I saw a report that suggested that AT&T was throttling VPN connections, virtual private network connections. The reason why this was significant, if true, and I was unable to corroborate it over the weekend, but if true, is because a VPN is a way for a person to log into the internet anonymously so your location and your identity is masked from anybody who might spy on you. This is a common thing for folks in China. Uh, They are always trying to get on VPNs in Mm -hmm. order to uh, overcome the state's massive firewall, uh, the communist CCP firewall there. Now, the report alleges that the VPN was being throttled at the backbone level across the nation. If that's true, and again, I was unable to corroborate. I was trying to find another source for this article, so Mm -hmm. I can't say it's true. But if it's true... This actually is also very Orwellian because in a day and an age where, where big tech censors uh, everything they don't like and you overcome anything that, that might help you to overcome their censorship, uh, boy, they own all the cards now. They have everything right. at their yeah. advantage, and as a Catholic evangelist, uh, I feel like our days to reach the masses with an uncensored, unfiltered voice for the truth could be very much limited.
8: What say you, Dr. Regis Martin? Yeah, it's a kind of stranglehold. And, and the mere fact that while you can't corroborate it, nevertheless, you are deeply uh, suspicious that this may be so, suggests that it has a level of plausibility that is really frightening, that we would consider something like this perfectly obvious. This is exactly what the enemy is, is bent on doing to us. I, I remember uh, being struck by the interview that uh, Cardinal uh, Gerhard Mueller uh, gave. He's uh, the former head of the CDF, the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. Uh, He said that there are two sides in the world that seem to be converging. On the one hand, there is this profiteering capitalism, big tech giants uh, of, of the West. But on the other side, you have the communism, of the people 's Republic of, of China, now there's an oxymoron there 's an Orwellian formulation the people 's Republic of China. The people in China have, have no have no freedom whatsoever, but these two movements are are converging, and they 're going to produce a united capital socialism and a new colonialism that will simply oppress the masses of of uh, of the globe and and this is really scary. Mueller says what's coming down the pike is homogenized man who can be steered so easily by these giants. An Orwellian world, he calls it, of homo digitalis. In other words, man is now reduced to the status of, of a, of, of a machine through this mainstreaming, this total conformity of human consciousness, which the media uh, will somehow midwife. And the results of this is a kind of servitude that I don't think the Soviet Union or Hitler's Germany had even imagined as being possible. This is the great reset you know, towards which we are moving. This is what Biden means when he says, build back better. Mm. That better, I, I think, is fraught with the most sinister of uh, overtones.
1: Now, your most recent article, Dr. Regis Martin, for NCR, it's a sort of resolution to this issue. You write that human love is never enough, right? Because a human love is one that tells us um, abortion is compassionate, but our love needs to be divinized. Can you talk to us a little more about this, doctor?
8: Two minutes yeah, to go. I'm, I'm, Two minutes to go. I'm, I'm amazed that you're reading everything I write. That's pretty scary. <laughs> That's my <laughs> job. You know, I mean, the merely human is is going to be inhuman. Humanism without Christ will become anti-human. I mean, Jesus is pretty explicit about this, isn't he? Without me, you can do nothing. And I think what he means by that is quite literally, the only thing you can do in the absence of grace is commit sin. And with grace, uh, you can conquer the universe. And, and the instrument, the, the, the weapon that we deploy in that conquest of, of the cosmos is love. Love that became concretely incarnate in a person. And this person bears a unique, unrepeatable name, Jesus the Christ. He alone can save us. I don't think politics will save us, mm-hmm. only grace. And without it, uh, we, are, we are less than zero. All
2: right, Dr. Regis, Martin Professor of Theology at Steubenville and writer over at uh, Crisis and other places. God love you. Thank you for being on our program today. Well, it's been a great
8: honor and, and fun. Thanks a lot.
2: All right. Praise Jesus. Have a great day to you, Dr. Martin. And that's going to do it for the first hour of Catholic Drive Time. We hope and pray that you will join us in the next hour. We'll have more breaking news and stories. We'll have the same of the day, the Gospel Day. Plus, our game show is coming up in the next hour, and we have a brand new sponsor this week, ChooseLife.com. Uh, I think it's .com or .org. But at any rate, you'll find out all about that in the next hour. If you're able to join us, we'd love to have you. Just uh, make sure you're on our live video streams as well because we'll have the after show at 730. The team here will discuss many of these stories and much, much more. Facebook, YouTube, and on Twitter, you can search for us or go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT to get all the details. If you can't join us, God love you. God bless you. We'll see you back here for Alan Keyes tomorrow morning
0: Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now,
4: and God love you.
5: I have a friend who says that baptism is a symbolic act and that it has nothing to do with salvation. How can I answer him?
9: Simple. Show him what the Bible says. Nowhere does the Bible say that baptism is merely a symbolic act. That passage simply does not exist. But the Bible does say this about baptism. In Ezekiel 36 verses 25 to 27 it says, I will sprinkle clean water upon you and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses. A new heart I will give you and a new spirit I will put within you and I will put my spirit within you. Here in the Old Testament we have a foreshadowing of New Testament baptism. In the New Testament, Acts 2 verse 38, Repent and be baptized every one of you for the forgiveness of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. No symbolic language here. The book of Acts says, Be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Ezekiel says, I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from your uncleannesses. The book of Acts says, And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Ezekiel says, And I will put my spirit within you. Do you begin to see how God in the Old Covenant was preparing us for what He gives us in the New Covenant? Acts twenty two sixteen And now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. What body was that? The body of Christ. 1 Peter 3, 21 baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Scripture simply does not support the non-Catholic notion that baptism is symbolic. Scripture does, however, very clearly and directly support the Catholic teaching that baptism saves us, that baptism makes us members of the body of Christ, that baptism washes away sin, and that through baptism we receive the Holy Spirit, just as the Church teaches.
0: A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Can
3: you tell me the Three Little Pigs story? Three Little Pigs were listening to Catholic Radio on the GRN
7: and heard that the GRN was raffling off a 2021 Mercedes-Benz GLA 250. So they went to grnonline.com, bought five tickets for $100, and waited for their name to be drawn. The end.
3: So, who's your favorite
7: GRN station manager? I like them all, but especially Joe McLean. Confessions at 5. Welcome to
0: your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired.
7: We
1: love God, we ought to
0: be able to talk about Him.
1: Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and
0: information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be
2: to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Good morning to you. Praise be to God. Remember that that play in the Super Bowl yesterday? Like, wow. that No, actually, I don't. I didn't watch the Super Bowl. Did you watch the Super Bowl? I would love to know. If you're hanging out with us on uh, live video stream anywhere, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, wherever, comment. Did you watch the Super Bowl? I definitely did not watch. I didn't even know who won until Emily reported it on the news. <laughs> uh, apparently, Tom Brady got another ring. Well, God bless him. God love him. But no, you probably didn't hear is the Supreme Court came out against Gavin Newsom's draconian church lockdowns in California. Yeah, we, were, we talked about that last hour. We also had a great conversation with Regis Martin. professor of theology we'll be posting that video all by itself a little conversation with regis martin about uh the orwellian world we find ourselves in and why we don't have more fulton sheens to call these politicians to to task so make sure you look for that video on youtube and on rumble if you're looking for all the links Of where we post stuff, a great place to do that is grnonline.com forward slash CDT. And while you're there, make sure you sign up for our email list. I'm giving you a free talk by Father Bill Casey. Called the state of the union the church and society it's a great talk powerful talk you're gonna get a lot out of it all you got to do is allow me to harass you once a week in the email inbox and we have a great deal you get the talk for free plus we're going to send you some great content that we're going to produce just for the season of lent just through email so make sure you go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt for the details but the team is here good morning to you emily alcaraz
1: good morning joe how was your weekend
2: praise god it was uh, it was okay it was all right. Got to watch a couple of movies.
1: That sounds great. That sounds like a great weekend.
2: I, yeah, I, I love watching movies. It's my favorite thing, favorite pastime, anyway, other than reading church history. Uh, so I watched uh, Last of the Mohicans and The Alamo and the most recent Alamo, which is not actually all that bad, actually. It's very, I hadn't watched it in a long time, so I was pleasantly surprised at how good it was. Um, what would you do? In classes? You probably wrote a, a research paper. You probably spent time I, actually, in the library. I did. <laughs>
1: yeah. That's very accurate. No, I, I did do some schoolwork, but also uh, got to hang out with some friends and catch up with people, so that was good.
2: Oh, Praise God. Yeah. Uh, speaking of catching up, Adrian Fonseca is here. Good morning to you, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. Uh, did you watch the Super Bowl?
3: I did not. Uh, we actually tried to watch the Super Bowl, but what? we actually had a ton of uh, problems. I guess God really didn't want us to watch it, so we <laughs> yeah. ended up not watching it. Yeah. Well, there you go,
2: folks. I'd love to know. Did you watch the Super Bowl? I I used to watch the Super Bowl, but I can't do it anymore. I'm done with it. Um, comment if you're anywhere on, on one of our social platforms. We'd love to know one way or the other if you watch the Super Bowl. In this hour, though, we're going to have breaking news and stories. Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, The Game Show, and ChooseLife.com is our sponsor this week. We're very excited. A couple of weeks ago, I spent the whole week promoting Choose for Life, even though we had a different sponsor at the time. So... Yeah, that was fun. And finally, it's here. So a little forward investment there. So choose C-H-E-W-S-Life.com as our sponsor this week, and we're going to have three opportunities to get into the uh, Coffee Cup of Divine Providence. Make sure you have that phone number handy because the first caller gets to be the contestant. I'll give out that number here in a little while. Then the Holy Mass will be at 730, and then we stay on for the after show, and we'll have several articles to talk about In the after show, including whatever we discussed today on the program, for instance, Mike Lindell put out a video on the voter fraud situation. I watched uh, at least half of it, and I'd love to know not whether or not you think there was voter fraud. No, I want to know whether or not you watched the Lindell video and whether or not you thought it was convincing, irregardless of what you actually believe about the voter fraud. I would like to know. I think I have an opinion. I'll share that with you in the after show. So that's all coming up this hour. But either way, let's begin with prayer. Your intentions, our intentions, let's ask Our Lady to whisper these intentions into the ear of her son. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother, to thee do I come before thee, I stand sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word Incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Now the headlines with Emily Alcaraz.
1: Tom Brady won his seventh ring last night as the Buccaneers dominated the Chiefs in the 55th Super Bowl. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are Super Bowl champions after completing a victory that exceeded expectations and made all kinds of history on Sunday night at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, Florida. In dominating the Kansas City Chiefs 31-9, the Bucks won its second Super Bowl and became the first team to win a Super Bowl in their home stadium. Quarterback Tom Brady secured his seventh Lombardi Trophy, two more than any player in NFL history and one more than any entire NFL franchise has achieved. The Supreme Court has rebuked California's strict coronavirus rules for churches. California's strict coronavirus rules banning indoor worship were blocked and revised by a U.S. Supreme Court injunction late on Friday night. Archbishop Salvatore Cordelione of San Francisco said, quote, This is a very significant step forward for basic rights. This decision makes clear we can now return to worshiping safely indoors without risk of harassment from government officials. Eric Rasbach, vice president and senior counsel at the Beckett Religious Liberty Legal Group, welcomed the decision saying California had no right to declare itself a religion-free zone. When every other state in the country has figured out a way to both allow worship and protect the public health, maybe you are doing it wrong. We are glad this extreme violation of our first freedom has finally come to an end. The American Seminary in Rome has said it will defend itself vigorously against a lawsuit filed by a former student who says he was blocked from continuing his studies there after he had witnessed inappropriate homosexual contact on the part of the vice rector. The North American College in Rome, also known as the NAC, its rector, Father Peter Harmon, vice rector, Father Adam Park and faculty member Father John McDonald were named as defendants in a February 3rd lawsuit filed in Richmond County, New York by Anthony J. Gorgia. Gorgia, a former seminarian for the Archdiocese of New York, is seeking $125 million in damages in civil court on 12 causes of action, including defamation, wrongful discharge, sexual harassment, emotional distress, fraud, breach of fiduciary duty, and interference with prospective economic advantage. His lawsuit also warns of ongoing homosexual conduct by priests and at least one unnamed bishop affiliated with the college. On Saturday, Pope Francis appointed a Spanish priest and a French religious sister as undersecretaries of the Synod of Bishops. It is the first time a woman has held a position of this level within the General Secretariat of the Synod of Bishops. Father Luis Marin de San Martín and Sister Natalie Becart will replace Bishop Fabio Faben, who was named Secretary of the Congregation for the Causes of the Saints in January. Working with and under Secretary General Cardinal Mario Gretsch, Marin and Becart will prepare the Vatican's forthcoming Synod on Synodality, scheduled for October of 2022. In this position, Sister Natalie will vote in future synods alongside other voting members who are bishops and priests. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Monday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. St.
2: Josephine Bakita, pray for us. Born in 1868 in Oglasa, Dafur in Sudan. Born to a wealthy Sudanese family, she was kidnapped by slave traders at the age of nine. And that's who gave her the name Bakita, because she couldn't remember her own name. Uh, By the way, Bakita means lucky. Yeah, real lucky. She was sold and resold, and she was beaten and abused many times through the markets of El Obed and Khartoum. Finally, she ended up in the hands of Callisto Legnani, an Italian consul who brought her back to Italy and she became the sort of the nanny for the family of Augusto Michele. They treated her very very well, but when the Micheli family had to return to Africa for business, they put her in the care of the Kenosian Daughters of Charity. She loved it there. And when the Michielli family came back to call her, to bring her to Africa again, she fought for her right to freedom. And she went to court and she was successful. She entered the Institute of the Kenosian Daughters for Charity and took her vows on the 8th of December 1896 in Verona, serving as a Kenosian sister for the next 50 years her gentle presence, her warm, amiable voice, and her willingness to help with any menial task where comfort to the poor and suffering was needed. She gave that. She helped to manage uh, the the door. She taught. She, She did so many different things. But in 1930... A biography about her hit the bookshelves, and she became kind of famous, and she ended up going on this speaking circuit, and she raised a lot of funds to help support the the missions and the Kenosian sisters. She died on the 8th of February, 1947, of natural causes there in Italy, and she would be canonized as saint by Pope St. John Paul II at St. Peter's Basilica in October of 2000. Her feast day has been designated the International Day of Prayer to stop human trafficking. St. Josephine Bakita, pray for us. The gospel comes to us from Mark chapter 6 verses 53 through 56. After making the crossing to the other side of the sea, Jesus and his disciples came to the land of Gennesaret and tied up there. As they were leaving the boat, people immediately recognized him. They scurried about the surrounding country and began to bring in the sick on mats to what to wherever they heard he was. Whatever villages or towns or countryside he entered, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might touch only the tassel on his cloak, and as many as touched it were healed. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I love the fact That uh, in a pre-social media world... There is no digital communications. There's not even analog communications at this point. And still they recognize him and they come flocking. Well, I mean, he gets off a boat and boom, they're coming out. They recognize him. I find that very, very powerful. This heart longing for the divine, this heart longing for God, for healing, for restoration. And they come out in droves. It's amazing. And even the disciples are amazed by this. But notice also... The, the tassel, right? This is a, a nod back to Numbers chapter 15, verses 38 through 40, when the Lord tells Moses to command the people to put tassels on their cloaks. Why? It's a reminder of the Ten Commandments. It's a reminder to live by God's law. It is not good enough that you should just obey, that you should just believe in God, but you must obey as well. Even Jesus says this, if you love me, you will obey me, right? This is a repeated theme throughout the Gospels. If you love me, you will obey me. And we see a nod to this here, that they believe, they have so much faith that they could just touch the tassel and they will be healed. It's a powerful realization for you and for me to live by God's law, to love God, and to obey him too. That's why we use the Ten Commandments as part of our examination of conscience before we go to the uh, sacrament of reconciliation, to go to confession, to be reconciled to God because we have committed sins that have gravely damaged our relationship with him, and we need his grace. And this is a foreshadowing of those sacraments at least according to the catechism paragraph 1504 emily adrian
1: yeah for me um i just love the fact that these people had never seen jesus before and yet the scripture says that they recognized him when they saw him and so that's just um a a testament to the fact that you can know christ by hearing about him from others and so we need to share christ with others
2: amen praise be to god all right, more, maybe more on that in the after show, we'll have to see. But uh, the phone number to call be part of our game show is 877-757-9424. First caller gets to be the contestant. We'll be right back.
5: We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God... In a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at CatholicsComeHome.org.
4: Protestants like to use James 2, 10-11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin, because in 115 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin.
8: Joe
2: McLean. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, our Catholic trivia game show where prizes are involved. Uh, we're looking forward to this week. At least I have. I've been looking forward to this week, I can say, technically speaking, for the, at least the last couple of weeks. Because I spent a whole week promoting this uh, sponsor, and it wasn't even their turn. So here we are. Choose ChooseLife.com. We'll get more about that in a second from Emily. But here, if you're just joining us, you're like, what is this? Well, it's a Catholic trivia game show. I have three questions in my hand. I, uh, I, I ask these questions, but I don't ask the caller No, instead I ask Emily, I ask Adrian, one of them will have a right answer, the other will be wrong, and the caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision, who do they trust? Do they trust Emily? Do they trust Adrian? And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win the prize.
1: So this week's sponsor is, as Joe said, ChooseLife.com, and I love this company so much, they make chewable rosaries for babies and they're tested they're safe and this business is run by catholic mothers so if someone in your life has a little baby who is teething maybe you want to keep them quiet at mass or during family rosaries this is a great way to begin their devotion before they even know how to speak
2: (laughs) i should just promote aroma rosary the whole week As a way of offsetting Can I just say you guys have
1: to go watch the YouTube videos Because they just have videos of babies chewing on the rosary They're so adorable Uh, All right, So so cute
2: Praise God for that So ChooseLife.com It's a great sponsor We're very grateful for them uh, And Roman Rosary for underwriting the the game And we'll pull out the winner on Friday But let's go to the phones Uh, Marlene, good morning to you Welcome to the show Good morning Where are you calling from Marlene?
4: I'm calling from
2: Houston. Houston, Texas. Praise be to right. God. Are, are you managing the, the depths of the winter coldness? Oh, hey. I'm
5: suffering
2: with it so much. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I think it was a, a, a frigid 50-some degrees this morning. Oh, so. oh, man. Hopefully you're surviving the great winter no, storm I'm, here. But uh, what parish do you go to, Marlene?
9: I go, I go to St. Thomas More.
2: St. Thomas More. Well, praise be to God for that. Now, are you familiar with the game? Yes, I am. So you know then that you can't really trust Emily or Adrian. They will try to fool you. You are aware of right. that. Right. Okay. I'm well, aware. You know what you're getting into then. Praise God for that. Are you I ready think to so. play? Yes. Ready. All right, Emily, we will start with you as is our custom. Are you ready? Yes. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Are you sure? I'm ready. Here we go. Emily, what term means a sincere resolve not only to avoid sin, but also to avoid the occasions of sin as far as is possible.
1: Um, Is this... I think it's contrition. Okay. I'm going to go with contrition.
2: Your answer is contrition.
1: Yeah, Let, that sounds see. like it could be right.
2: It's reasonable. Let's see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, can you tell me what term means a sincere resolve not only to avoid sin but also to avoid the occasion of sin as far as possible.
3: Yep, that's a uh, firm purpose of amendment.
2: Wow, very confident there. Mm-hmm, yep. All right, well, let's see here. Adrian is on the hook for a firm purpose of amendment, and Emily is on the hook for contrition. Who's right? Who's wrong? 15 seconds on the clock. Marlene, uh, what say that you? Of the
9: act, that's a tough one. It comes out of the act of contrition, so I'm going with Emily.
2: Survey says...
9: Oh, no.
2: I'm so that sorry. That was a tough one, but though. In that your hurts. defense, it You're was tricky. it was a very tricky question. But yeah, a definitely. firm purpose of amendment means to av- you you just you are giving your all to avoid committing sins to remain in God's good graces, right? Absolutely. Well, you get two more chances, Marlene. So don't despair. There's still opportunities for chewable rosaries in your future. I would say, uh, let's say, I think they get. A little easier from here. Let's just go with this. Are you ready, Adrian? Absolutely. Adrian, what is the mantle like vestment uh, which is worn by the celebrant at nearly all solemn functions except for the Mass? So, for instance, uh, someone might see a priest, or I think even a deacon could be wearing this at a benediction uh, to, at the conclusion of an adoration. What do we call that? Mantle-like vestment, Adrian?
3: Uh, Let's see. I'm going to go with a maniple. A a maniple? A maniple.
2: Okay. Uh, Sure, why not? Uh, Emily, uh, can you tell me what is the mantle-like vestment which is worn by celebrant at nearly all solemn functions with the exception of Holy Mass?
1: Um, so the one that they wear around their shoulders is called a cope, and actually, maniple is wrong. Maniple is the one that they wow. wear. Wow. They wear it over oh their arm. Gosh. We
2: just broke out into fierce debate. <laughs> <Did> <laughs> see the way she looked at you when she yeah, said, "Yeah, she's
1: like gonna attack me across We're the like, room." Whew. No, All right, it's called a cope. A cope. Yeah. All
2: right. So uh, Emily is on the hook for a cope, and Adrian is on the hook for a maniple. Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Marlene, what it's say Emily. you?
9: It's, it's Emily, Emily, it's come.
2: Survey says, congratulations. Yes! Uh, did you, you were not fooled at all by Adrian and his manipulations. <laughs> Congratulations. (laughs) Praise be to God. (laughs) All right. You're in the coffee cup of divine providence for ChooseLife.com's chewable rosaries for babies. Praise be to God for that.
1: you call it a teething rosary? A teething rosary.
2: (laughs) Now, let's see here. Last question. Are you ready, Marlene? Do you you feel pretty confident going to this? Totally confident. Totally confident. I like that. Emily, we're back to you. Are you ready? Okay, yeah. Here we go. What is benediction? Given by the Pope or his delegate at the close of liturgical functions called.
1: Okay, so I think I know what this is. This is called an apostolic blessing. Because it's mm. not it's not just a blessing, it's an apostolic blessing.
2: It is special. Yeah. It is uh an only very few people get to give this. Yeah. Alright, apostolic blessing. Let's see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, can you tell me what is benediction given by the Pope or his delegate? At the close of liturgical functions called?
3: Uh, let's see. I'm going to go with um, with benediction.
2: With benediction. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, uh, it seems less special, but let's just see. <laughs> it seems less special. Uh, less special. <laughs> Adrian, oh my God. Adrian, it's gang up on Adrian Day. Uh, Adrian is on the hook for benediction, and Emily is on the hook for apostolic blessing. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Marlene, what say you?
9: I'm going with
2: Emily again. Sur- yes. Survey says.
9: Yes, well done, Marlene.
2: Three <laughs> times going
3: with Emily.
2: Good What's choice. On? I think they're noticing a pattern here. because okay.
1: Marlene is my friend. We're friends. Uh, Marlene,
2: congratulations. Yeah. You're in the coffee cup of Divine Providence twice. Twice, For this yes. week's price pack. How do you feel about that? Feels great. Feels great. You got, now, uh, Marlene, you, you children, you got any children? You, anybody who might uh, you be able to give this chewable rosary to?
9: Totally. my My first granddaughter was born January twelfth. Hey! Oh, congratulations! congratulations. Um,
2: granddaughter, you said. So, wh- is what's, she teething? Wh- what's her name? <laughs> well, her
9: name is Bridget. Wow. She was due on February first. So.
5: that's
4: perfect yeah
2: perfect 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 perfect. well that's so awesome Uh, my Uh, second grandchild is due in march so we're very excited about that so congratulations to you marlene praise be to god now are you listening to us via the radio station via the app or social streams how do you listen to the show radio
4: station on my way to work every morning
2: well god love you Thank you, Marlene, for being a, a listener of our program and a contestant in our game show. We're going to put you on hold so that we can get your contact information in case you are the winner. But we're so very grateful you are on the program today. Hey. All right. Hold on, Marlene. We're going to put you on hold. And that's going to do it for the radio side of our broadcast. The Holy Mass will begin uh, here in a couple of minutes uh, out of uh, the, the chapel in Corpus Christi. Now, Emily, Adrian, have you either one of you seen the pictures of this chapel
1: yet? I did. I think I looked it up. It's beautiful.
2: Now, the trick question here. Retablo, Adrian, do you know what a retablo is? Uh no. It's the giant uh, wall behind the altar. If you look up the Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel in Corpus Christi, Texas, the Salt Chapel there, this giant, beautiful, very ornate uh, wall behind the uh, that the houses the tabernacle. A retablo. It has saints. Maximilian Kolbe is in there. I want to say Saint Francis is in there. Uh, Plus, there's a giant monstrance, because it's an adoration chapel, and they don't do baptisms, and they don't do confirmations, because it's an adoration chapel only. But they do say Mass, and they broadcast it live just for the Guadalupe Radio Network at 7.30 across the GRN in English. So if you're going to that Mass, if you're going to attune that Mass in, please do keep us in your prayers. We'd be very grateful to you. But if you want to hang out with us for the after show, we would love to have you there, too. We have some conversation going on on the back end here I'm very excited about, uh, one of which is about the Super Bowl. I'd love to know, did you watch the Super Bowl? And if so, what were your thoughts? I certainly did not. Uh, but we would love to know what your thoughts are. You can comment about the Super Bowl or anything else we've discussed with Regis Martin, any of the stories we discussed. I kind of want to ask you about Mike Lindell and his fraud video proof that went out over the weekend. I watched half of it. I don't want to know whether or not you think it's true. That's not what I'm getting at. What I want to know is if you think it was uh, if it was believable. I would love to have that conversation In the after show as well, but it's organic. Whatever, whatever comes up comes up. We'll take your comments, your questions, and we just want to chat with you. You can hang out with us at uh, video uh, as far as Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. You can find the links to all of those at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. By the way, we're also giving out before we say goodbye here. We're also giving out a free talk from Father Bill Casey, a powerful little talk he gave to the Guadalupe Radio Network last November here in Houston. It's called the Church, State of the Union, the Church and Society. You can get this for free, and here's how you do it. All you have to do is sign up to our Catholic Drive Time email list, and here's how you could do it with your cell phone. Pull out and text the letters GRN, just plug in GRN, to the number, text it to 42828. So if you text those letters to 42828, you and the letters are GRN, you will be able to join our email list right over your phone. And you'll be able to be on the Catholic Drive Time list because what we're going to do, not only will you get the Father Bill Casey talk right away, but we're also going to do a special series during the Holy Season of Lent, and we will deliver that content. It doesn't cost anything. We're going to deliver it through the email. So if you sign up to the email list, you'll be able to get that content. One of the things is a Catholic... uh, Bible study, looking at the Sunday Gospels during the Holy Season of Lent. I'm also considering a special series on trustful surrender to divine providence, this incredible spiritual work by St. Colombert uh, that I think you'll find amazing. We'll send you all of that right over the email, so make sure you join our email list by texting the letters GRN to the number 42828. But if you can hang out with us on live video, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter right now for the next 20 minutes or so for the after show, we would love to have you. Make sure you comment, make sure you subscribe, make sure you share. Help us to share Catholic Drive Time with more people. Otherwise, if you're going to go to Mass, God bless you, God love you. Please pray for us. We're certainly praying for you. Tomorrow morning, our special guest will be Ambassador Alan Keyes who really helped to bring about the Mexico City policy. He'll talk about the significance of its reversal tomorrow morning on Catholic Drive Time, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. God love you. God bless you. We'll see you in the after show.
0: Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired.
1: Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station.
0: Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time.
2: Again, that's Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time.
0: Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now,
2: and God love you. Welcome to the after show of Catholic Drive Time. And we just had a fierce debate over if it's called retablo or Raridos. Apparently, it turns out it's the same thing. One is Spanish. The other is, I guess, Latin. I have no idea. Adrian walked away. <laughs> so I can't, I can't actually ask him. Um, if you're hanging out with us on live video, uh, make sure you comment wherever you're at. Where are you from? Say good morning. I see Susanna over on uh, YouTube right now. Praise God. I see other people watching, but uh, Suzanne has chimed in this morning. Monica's chimed in on YouTube. Good to see you both. Thank you for being here. Uh, Stella Maris I see you posting over on Facebook on our GRN online side. I see Chris, obviously, over there. Praise God, Chris. Good to see you again this morning. I see Jesus Robles on the Catholic Drive Time side of Facebook, and I also saw Joaquin over there earlier. Uh, Good morning to both of you. Lori was over there as well. Patty, of course, our friend. But I want to say Patty goes to Mass, so she's not hanging out with us for the after show. Uh, Who else? Anybody else?
1: Um, Not that I I know of. I just wanted to point out Stella Morris Feminina, her comment. She brought up St. Ambrose, who is... One of the early bishops, the one, you you probably know him as the bishop who converted St. Augustine. Yes. um, And he converted many other public figures. And St. Augustine was like a public political figure that he converted. Um, And he was, St. Ambrose is famous for denying communion and the sacraments to Emperor Theodosius. Yes. Because he ordered the massacre of 7,000 citizens. Not that different from Uh, what we see today.
2: Out of revenge, by the way. Mm -hmm. So there was, uh, I think it was in Thessalonica. If I'm not mistaken, he, uh, the governor, uh, was murdered by a mob. So Theodosius was like, oh, yeah? And he packed the people into an arena and then had them all slaughtered. And so Ambrose, who was not the pope, by the way, uh, said, you are excommunicated from Holy Communion. Now, it's interesting because when Theodosius came to the West to hang out with with Justina and her son, who she was ruling in his stead for— he would go to mass with Ambrose, and he actually tried to he tried to serve at the altar with Ambrose and Ambrose said no you 're a lay person. your role is out there with the lay folk with no pews by the way, so uh, the emperor of the world stood at the same level as the as the beggar off the street, which is a powerful realization and uh and so he said you can't come to mass until you repent which he did he made a public uh confession and a public uh, repentance and he was welcomed back to communion in fact uh when theodosius died it was ambrose who preached his funeral mass so pretty powerful
1: it works i mean i think part of the fear here is that you if you try to evangelize to these politicians it's going to turn them away or somehow it's not going to work but we We've seen that when a saint tries to convert someone, it works. Amen. That's their job. I mean, with Bishop Ambrose, St. Ambrose, it worked. He converted Theodosius. Amen. With Bishop Fulton Sheen, it worked. He converted that journalist or the politician, whoever it was from the article. Um, so, I mean, we like we need to save the politician's souls that yeah. are in danger right now.
2: Speaking of uh, incredible listeners hanging out with Catholic Drive Time, Raquel, good morning to you, and Valerie from Fort Worth. God love you. God bless you. They're hanging out on the GRN side of Facebook. Um, Jesus says they want to protect. They want. They want to project compassion. Then they turn around like hound dogs when someone is brave enough to challenge the shutdowns. Amen.
3: And then on uh, on YouTube we have uh, Valentine said good morning to us and Jeff. Said, good morning from Bolverde, Texas. Where's Bolverde, Texas? bolverdi
2: bolverdi okay. bolverdi It's... Uh,
7: oh, a, to San Antonio. Yeah, he it's said the Hill San Antonio
2: Country. Okay, I
3: gotta go see that area. I've never been. Yeah. Let's <laughs> see. Where else? What else do we have?
2: <laughs> Joaquin is saying over on Facebook on the Catholic Drive Time side, not sure what happened on my end, but I missed Fear and Trembling. Oh, I'm sorry oh, about no. that, Joaquin. And it looks like Jesus is saying he didn't, I'm guessing he's saying he did not watch the Super Bowl. It says, honestly, Joe, I went to Mass at Co-Cathedral at 5.30, came home at 7.30, did some chores and fell asleep at 9.30. I've stepped, I stopped, I guess, stopped watching the news. It's depressing, yep. extremely biased and full of heresy against the church. It's very sad, uh, all of it. They speak of the effects of the shutdowns
3: on the economy
2: And they savor it. Yeah, it's uh, Uh, it's really upside down world.
3: Yeah. And on uh, our GRN online page, uh, Lucia said, good morning. Yes. After watching the absolute proof video, there is no doubt that they have absolute proof that the election was stolen. If we allow this fraud to remain, we will never have free elections again. And uh, Chris was telling me earlier during the show about the – I don't know if you already talked about this – the Super Bowl uh, was – he said it was very – it seemed demonic and a very political halftime show. He said they started off with the weekend coming out of the tunnel and was surrounded by what looked like the angel choirs with red eyes and the end of the football field looked like a field of hell. Wow. (laughs) So – that's insane. Um, so good times. That, good times. That's subtle. <laughs> uh,
2: Mara Wade over on YouTube is also saying that they had the Super Bowl on, but they were like doing they were doing double duty here. They had the Super Bowl on, but they were celebrating their son's birthday as well. Oh. And so not too many people paid attention to the Super Bowl. Uh, but they said they weren't impressed, I guess, with halftime there. Yeah, I stopped watching the Super Bowl. You know, it's 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 so sad to see our sports being hijacked by politics here. Now, Lucia, let's talk about uh, the the absolute proof video that went around and got shut off. YouTube, by the way, and Venmo, Vimeo, forgive me, not Venmo, that's a <laughs> money thing. Uh, YouTube and Vimo, they took down the video. Mike Lindell from My Pillow put out this video called Absolute Proof. Now, here here's the question I have, Lucia. My question is not whether or not we that you believe that you think that there was voter fraud. I, I, I'm convinced there was voter fraud, by the way, personally. But that's not even what I want to ask. What when I, when I watched this video with Mike Lindell, the one thing I got fru- and I continue to be frustrated, whether it was Rudy Giuliani or 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 the uh, other attorneys or anybody, what frustrates me is like in Lindell video over the weekend. You watch it, and he has these credible uh... sort of expert witnesses to talk about let's say cybersecurity and voting machines you know cnn of all people cnn back in what was it twenty i think it was twenty seventeen or something they did a uh, they did a, a, a there was the guy who used to work for president obama his name escapes me right now i'd have to look it up but he brought all these hackers together in a hotel and he gave them access to voting machines and within minutes, they were hacking these machines and doing whatever they wanted with these machines. I mean, literally within minutes. And and CNN reported on this, and they interviewed this guy who was an Obama uh, supporter. He was a, he was a, uh, an advisor to President Obama, and he was trying to point out the massive security risks of these voting machines. You can I think CNN Business Channel on YouTube still has this video. You can look it up. So uh, it's obvious that there, these are real I- these are real issues, and we should take them serious. So Mike Lindell has these security experts on, these cybersecurity people, and they're saying, yes, massive problems. The the, the votes were being kept in servers overseas. They were being hacked there. Many foreign governments were involved. I mean, here's my problem with the video. Tell me if I'm wrong, Lucia. It's one thing to tell me. It's another thing to show me. They never show the actual evidence. They don't show, they don't go, okay, you see this IP, you see how it's connecting to this IP, that IP is this server, and here's the data, and here's the other IPs that came in. Those were from, one was from this country, and that was from this country. Like, they don't ever show you the actual evidence. They just say the evidence. And here's why I have an issue with that. Because if you're going to convince people who totally believe there was no fraud, I don't believe Mike Lindell's video is going to convince them otherwise. I don't believe that the video will change the mind of a person who does not believe that there was voter fraud. I think they're going to just say, oh, it's just your opinion. You, you're saying you're not showing. And I would like to know the people who watched this video, uh, what they thought about that. And as we just read from Lucia, who said uh, they watched absolute proof. There's no doubt that they have absolute proof that the election was stolen. Um, so anyway, I'd love to know your opinions on that. And I don't think either one of you, uh, Emily or Adrian, watched the video over the weekend, right?
1: No, it was really long. I didn't have two hours to spend on it.
2: Yeah. I mean, the guests you have are credible. I mean, they're especially the cybersecurity guys. One of them was former military whose job it was to do that stuff against our enemies. And so who, who better to understand and know? But the guy from Dallas, his firm tried hard to bring up the evidence they had about corruption in Dallas to the FBI, and nobody would pay attention to
3: it. Uh, Lucia says that they did show the evidence. They showed the actual files with the red lines coming from the various uh, foreign IPs. Then I missed that part. Then so you said you only watched like the first thirty minutes, though, right? I, I was like forty some yeah, minutes.
1: I heard so someone told me that the last half hour was okay. the most important. Well, then
2: I will go back and watch it, and I will correct myself uh, tomorrow if I feel if I feel like uh, I you know if, if I'm wrong, then I, mean, I will say so tomorrow. I'll watch the other. Half, I guess. I'm glad if you're what you're saying is true. That I'm glad because. But the other problem I have is with Mike Lindell himself. Not that he's a bad guy; he's not. Um, But that it's uh, is there no one in a in our country who is has great communication skills that can easily and quickly break down these complicated uh, uh, concepts and make them super easy to understand and digest by the average person. Um, Mike Lindell. It's a very passionate guy. He put all of his time and resources into this, <clears throat> and yet it, it just – I don't know. It's, I think it's, it speaks to convincing the naysayer. I think we, we should really try to uh, do our best to convince those people that are totally not buying it. And it needs to be – the evidence needs to be laid out in a way that makes it clear to them that this is the case. Jesus Maybe Robles. that's the case.
3: Jesus Robles says, Joe – It's not whether they believe it or not. Mission accomplished. They don't care. They hated Trump, and the swamp was all in to get it done.
2: Yeah, that's true, too. Uh, The other, you know, the VPN story that I talked to Regis Martin about, that was very concerning to me. So what happened was over the weekend, I caught – there's a particular guy who is in cybersecurity that I had been watching recently within the last few months. And I don't want to give you his name or his YouTube channel, but – I watch him because I'm not sure, right? I'm not smart enough to know myself whether or not he's telling the truth. He sounds very convincing. Let's put it that way. But he made a claim on this video on his channel that said that his VPN was being throttled at the backbone level. Now, a VPN, as I explained with Regis Martin in our conversation with him, which, by the way, we're going to post that video later today.
3: Of the Regis Martin? Yeah. Absolutely. We'll have uh, the, the video with uh, Dr. Regis Martin up by uh, this afternoon, and uh, we'll have it on Rumble, uh, Catholic Drive Time on Rumble, Catholic Drive Time on Facebook, and Catholic Drive Time on YouTube. And Emily usually posts it.
1: Uh, uh, Instagram and Twitter. Instagram Sometime and Twitter. Sometime this week, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. And I'll post it in Gab and other places. And if Parlor comes back, well, maybe we'll post it there. We'll have to see. Uh, All right, so the VPN thing. So a VPN is a virtual private network. It's a way for people to log into the Internet without uh, revealing their location and their identity. It keeps that hidden. In China, VPNs are constantly going up and going down. The the reason why is because China does not want VPNs. So they block them. As As soon as they see them, they try to block them. But their citizens are using VPNs to get access to the outside world because there's uh, what we call the Great Red Firewall in China that blocks all outside communications and surveillances all of their citizens. And their citizens are required to have cell phones, by the way, all of them. <clears throat> so they keep, they keep total track of all of their people, and they don't want these VPNs to be the hole through the Great Red Firewall that they can get out or do have freedoms, right? So when this person I watched said that his VPN, which he hosts, was being throttled at the backbone level, what that means is the carrier, in this case AT&T, was throttling it across the nation in the United States, effectively doing the same as what China does in order to prevent people from having some option that gives them, gets the, the get out of jail free card, so to speak, of the big tech oligarchs. I tried to corroborate that story on my Facebook feed over the weekend, but apparently I don't know anybody on Facebook, and hardly anybody probably saw my post, uh, that I don't know anybody who has a VPN connection. I don't have a VPN connection, so I couldn't test it myself, but the idea is VPNs were being slowed down intentionally to make them not fun or manageable, and so people wouldn't use them, effectively killing them, forcing us back to our normal ISP connections. If this is true, and I say if because I don't know, uh, and if anybody here is on a VPN, I'd love to know your thoughts. Wait, did you experience uh, these uh, the slowdown? If this is true, that is very draconian. That is very crazy. That is very Orwellian. To be happening in America, it essentially is setting the stage for a great red firewall right here in America. When you take that in, con- in, in conjunction with big tech censorship of voices they just don't like. And uh, aren't tolerating. Uh, Lucia says, I agree about Mike Lindell, but I think he's the only one that was fearless enough to do this and had the resources to put this together. Not perfect, but he did it. Amen. Yeah, I agree with you, Lucia. And I'll watch the other half. I hope what you said is right. I hope they sh- actually show very clearly the, uh, the the evidence because, and as Jesus pointed out, as you read a minute ago. Uh, maybe they don't agree with it. I, I, don't, I don't need them to agree with it. I need them to not be able to refute it. They don't have to agree. They can still not agree. But the point is, was the evidence clearly laid out? I don't think Rudy Giuliani ever truly clearly ra- laid out the evidence. We kept hearing it was coming, and it never did. So maybe this is the most compelling uh, version of that to date with Mike Lindell.
3: So the story that uh, really concerns mm-hmm. me that I feel like we need to talk about and probably have a whole show about – is a story that Emily reported on about the sisters that is put on the committee uh was on the on the in the synod on what was it Emily that the, that she was on the sister
1: so she is let me see if i can pull it up so she's basically going to be on the group that is putting on the um synod for synodality which means she can now vote on synod documents beside bishops and this is the highest sort of ranking that a woman has ever held in the church
3: yeah and that's incredibly concerning especially since Apostolic authority and the ordinary magisterium does not come through sisters. It's through the bishops. It doesn't even come through your parish priest, it's through the bishops. Uh, it's definitely not Joe. That's for definitely sure. not. Joe. Uh, but it's it, that's very concerning because uh, now we have we're putting lay people or the next step is going to be having laymen. And also, this is a slippery slope towards uh, moving towards women ordination. We already have seen uh, women being made instituted acolytes and instituted lectors. And now this uh, it really just it does seem like that's the direction we're headed. And we saw how that went for the Episcopal Church and the Anglican Church. This is not very good for us. And um, this is definitely very, very concerning. So I think we definitely need to find someone to talk about this.
1: And to to force women into the roles of a bishop who is a a father, a spiritual father, you're like forcing a woman to be a father, which goes against nature. Um, It's just a denial of the gifts uh, and the strength of femininity really is trying to force women into these positions that bishops should be in.
2: You know, there's another, it was an article over on the Pillar this morning, PillarCatholic.com, we'll link to it. It says, Vatican reviewing German synod proposals to veto bishops, elect pastors, and ordain women. Mm. That's kind of concerning, too. Kind of. (laughs) Uh, Now, okay, elect pastors. Now, it used to be in the church that the local lay folk had a lot to say about who uh, became bishop, for instance. Um, St. Gregory the Great was elected Pope of the Church, and he wasn't He wasn't even a priest at the time. Um, so we see examples of that. Augustine, another example, that became bishop because the local locals wanted. Ambrose uh, became bishop because the locals loved him, respected him, and wanted him. Um, so we see that, but I don't think that's what the German bishops mean. I think they mean kind of something different. Uh, this article says the Vatican is reviewing a set of proposals under consideration for approval by the General Assembly of the Synodal Path of the Catholic Church in Germany. The proposals include the election of bishops and pastors by church members, elected lay committees with the power to overrule the decisions of bishops and for a vote among German Catholics on the ordination of women, the priesthood. It goes on to talk about a lot, but that that alone is pretty uh, pretty crazy.
1: What is the new obsession with synodality? Like, I don't—where did it well, come it's from?
3: N- it's not really a new obsession. It's been— for quite a while, for like about 60, 70 years. Oh. The idea of So, so Yeah, so new, but yeah. not like in our lifetime new. I guess in some people's lifetime new. But yeah, so I think this is very important. We have about a minute or 30, a minute and a half oh. left over the show. But uh, real quick, before uh, the music starts, I just wanted to say that if we are... This is, we're having a lot of troubling times. A lot of things are happening. This is really a time for prayer. Right now, we're getting ready for Lent. Lent's coming up in a couple, not, not too long, a couple days. Next week. And, um, and so we really need to get down and start, start doing penance. Start praying for the church. Start praying for the holiness of bishops, for the courage of bishops, that the lay people need to rise up and, and pray and fast. Those are the tools that God has given. Pray the mm-hmm. rosary. These are the things that God has given us to fight the battle. Amen. All right. Praise be to God in all things. Check out the links that we post
2: uh, on Facebook side. I'm not sure we posted them anywhere else, but you can find all of our links uh, to our platforms at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Make sure you join our email list as well. There's perks to that. Uh, Tomorrow morning, Dr. Ambassador Alan Keyes is going to be our guest. He is the guy who basically uh, made sure we had a thing called Mexico City Policy to ensure that uh, taxpayer-funded dollars weren't being used overseas for abortion and and all the rest. He's going to be on the program to talk about that and why it's very significant that it's been overturned yet again. Uh, so Dr. Alan Keyes, Ambassador Alan Keyes under Ronald Reagan, will be our guest tomorrow. We have a great lineup this week. We hope you'll be a part of it. Join us then. God love you. God bless you. Thank
0: you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed
1: and inspired.